Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. It is the best time of the year. It's the spoopy time of the year where you stay up late and look out for the bumps in the night, and we talk about the things that keep you up at night. And so we're going to start off with last year we did our favorite movie monsters. We're doing something similar, but not quite this week. We're starting us off with best creature designs. Like, we cannot be the biggest fan of, like, the movie's franchises or the individual yeah. characters themselves. But we will respect and honor the artistry that went into the designs, how much they stand out, how unique they are. I've got quite a few, but I've got quite a few that kind of, like, pair together. And that'll make more sense when we talk about it. But, yeah. um... Josh, without saying too much for the people at home, are you getting excited yet? I'm so, so stoked. Honestly, so this month is, like, generally speaking, like, one of my favorites. I, I you know, don't really care for Christmas, don't really care for Thanksgiving. And that's not, like, a family, a family thing. I just, generally speaking, don't like how busy those two months get for no reason other than two holidays. Um, but... October's where it's at, bro. Everything's changing. Like, especially being here in Tennessee, like, actually getting fall colors is... Oh, well, I hate you right so now. Good. I don't know what fall Dude. colors are anymore. <laughs> I'm literally probably going to go up to uh, the Smoky Mountains probably in here in a few weeks just to, like, on my day off just to kind of go just to see what the Smoky Mountains look like in the fall, in the winter in the fall so, in the winter in the winter man uh, but yeah man no like I'm super excited about this this uh, this month especially next week I'm really excited about oh, next week that's... it's crazy that next week is here like I have I had no like, I know wow oh. two, two years in the making and it's all finally about to be here uh, yeah October is normally a busy month but I'm I'm excited for how busy this month is going to be we've mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff that you guys don't know about yet uh, that is already in the works we've already started working on some of the stuff at least I have mm-hmm. for pre-production stuff it's October is just a great time we get to talk about spoopy stuff literally everywhere else in the world except for where I live it gets colder and the leaves change <laughs> Uh, like I've, I've said before, I like going to horror nights, but I don't like the fact that I'm still in t-shirt and shorts. I would like it for me. Like the perfect thing would be if I could go to horror nights in jeans and a hoodie. And if it was like 50 or 60 degrees, that would be mm, perfect, but not like perfect. high eighties or whatever. And you're not like <laughs> some yeah. dude named Kevin's breathing down your neck as she mm. stands behind you well, in line. More often than not, though, it's not some dude named Kevin. It's some jumpy high school girl that will scream at literally everything but because oh, screaming's fun don't you know josh you watching anything <laughs> good or playing anything good okay so i'm gonna start with the good stuff okay so i uh took advantage of the the end of the month sale for playstation last last week was it last yeah it was last week um and picked up ctr because it's it that's the racing game I grew up with, Crash Bandicoot Racing. Like literally, like everyone's like Mario Kart's the best. Sorry, Crash Bandicoot is way better. Um, like my brothers and I have all played it, and when they come up, come up when we all meet for Thanksgiving this year, I'm literally I'm planning on having everything unlocked. So and like you can do like I think it's like seven player split screen and like seven player battle and stuff like that, which is pretty big, but. Uh, the game is stupid, all <laughs> so much, so much harder than I thought I would remember it being. Um, yeah, 
but so that's been good. But the big thing that you and I were just talking about, that good wise, is I'm finally playing Star Wars uh, Fallen Order. Like about fine. time. I know, and I'm telling you what, I dropped seven hours yesterday, and I only went to bed because I had to wake up early this morning to work out. That's the only reason I was like, okay, setting it down. Like I just got to, I landed. I was, I was like, okay. I'm going to land on Kashyyyk, and then I'm going to go to bed. And then they do that sequence where you go right into the at-at. And I'm like, well, I can't just save and get off now. i got to draw. Like, I'm here already. Like, I, I might as well. So I went through that whole sequence up until, like, you, they stop and um, you may, after you meet Saw. But, like, and I haven't had – I've had zero issues outside of – the difficulty and like skill cap is can be very very interesting. Um, it's one of the first games where I like I started at medium and I was like, yeah, I can handle this. And then maybe 20, 30 to an hour into the game, I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah, when you texted oh, me you were playing goodness. it, I was like, I haven't played this in a while. I'm just gonna do one of the, like the offline. They've got these like just kind of like combat challenges. I was just like, you know what? I've played this numerous times. I remember how it goes. Immediately just gets bodied because I yeah. my timing is off and I haven't played this in months. I'm going, oh, this learning curve is so steep in this game. Oh, big. Uh, and, like, to the point where, like, I was dumb for those who have pl- have played the game and went to Malachor as my first planet. <laughs> bodied hard. And I was, like, to the point I was like, there's no reason this game should be this hard like oh man it was so good. did but you I go to malachor every, first every because second. you knew something was there or no i went to malachor because i was like oh malachor i'm gonna go let's go like, okay. have fun at okay. malachor like legitimately it was just like oh i know that planet let's go there and not really and i'm pretty sure it said something on the map of where like hey go to this planet first not to malachor the other one um pagano Zepho? Yeah, um, there was like, go to that one first. And I was like, or Malachor, because that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm literally, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to go drop another seven hours, most likely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm at, that, that's, that's what I've been up to. Um, since last episode, though, something has happened with something I'm watching. You finished Into the Badlands? Yeah. <sighs> I finished into the badlands. Okay, so I don't rant often on this show. That's my department. It is, um, but I have never been so audibly angry <laughs> at a show as I have as I was in those last. I want to say all of the last four episodes of season three. I literally was, like, thrown a fit the whole time. Because I I understand you have, like, all these plot lines, and you want to bring them all together, and, you know, so we can have one singular focus going into the finale. I appreciate that. Thank you. But when you have, uh, like, two or three storylines that have just been going on for not really any reason for two seasons... And you just go, "Eh, let's end it mid-episode for no reason other than we need to move on. And there's no finality and no closure to those storylines. Screw you, dude. Like, what? 
and then you end it, you, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, I don't even care if I drop spoilers right now. I'm so mad, okay? If you're gonna kill some, if you're gonna kill people, let them be dead! Ugh. Like, I don't understand. Yes, Lucy, I know. But the dog is like, I hear him yelling. He's mad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, they so they kill Sonny in the last episode. The the only character, the last character, he's, like, the main character. He's the Asian guy. Okay? They kill him. Legit. And then they try to be, like, ooh, but the death... uh, you know, brought his his true gift out finally, and uh, he's not actually dead. Boom, and they take him to another dimension where he's like ha- in between de- life and death, and where the master is. And she's like, "Hey, bro, there's a lot go- lot l- more left to do. This is just the evil is just on its way." Blah 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 blah. And you're like, "Okay." So Jon cool. Snow in Game of Thrones. Yes, yeah, basically. And so then the after the final scene of the show is one of the mm, most annoying henchmen of the la- of the last season uncovers a a six shooter revolver and like and that's implying that's the evil that she's talking about is that guns are going to be re- yeah so so that has been the other thing about this last season okay these guys got bombs bombs they have bombs that are blowing up bases and whole walls, but no firearms. And they now they're worried about guns. Yeah, like what? Stop. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. But like I oh I was both my dad and I throughout it became a running gag. It happened so often that my dad and I'd be like, so they can do that, but they can't have guns. Where are the guns? What happened? And so this is a Into the Badlands is a classic. Um, it's a classic example of post-apocalyptic world where you don't define what happened to cause the world to go into to like collapse and you know okay cool we're 100 years out that's fine maybe the memory's a little hazy that's fine we can i we can work around that but if at no point you bring up like oh it was an economic collapse or oh it was nuclear fallout or what have you then and but you're just like just gonna not acknowledge like it just oh it doesn't work i'm not here for it anyway that's what i watched this past week and i don't i'm being happy fallen order is filling a hole that needs to be filled right now okay like i am so phrasing so uh, nope nope i'm sticking to it Uh, i am so devoid of like happiness from media that like fallen order is just itching that scratch Scratching that itch. <laughs> Scratching that itch just right. Oh man. Well What good, do you want? <laughs> good thing this How month are you, buddy? Good thing this month has a lot of movies to offer, case in point. Yes. Venom was this past weekend. You've got Bond this coming weekend. Then the next weekend Michael Myers is gonna kill literally everybody in Haddonfield. <laughs> yes. And then Dune after that, and then the last night in Soho the week after that. Uh, so as that schedule goes, I saw Venom 2, or just Venom, yes. Let There Be Carnage. Um, if you like the first one, you will like the second one more so, I think. It just kind of okay. doubles down on what was already there. I like this a lot more than the first one. I didn't mind the first one. I didn't hate it, but it was just kind of whatever. I like the second one. It's It's fine enough. However, people going into it were just like, it's 90 minutes. That's too short of a movie. I'm going... Hold on, hold on. It 
it might be just the perfect runtime. No, it was definitely too short. Like, this movie could have definitely benefited from another 15, 20 minutes. Because the first really? okay. third of this movie, you were going at a breakneck speed. And I'm just going, okay, can we calm down and at least flesh some of these scenes out, please? Nope. But the buddy dynamic between the symbiote and Eddie just continues to be fantastic. Like, it's the best thing about this movie. Yeah. Um, it is a, It's essentially just a buddy cop movie with the two of them and it works really really well woody harrelson is a very decent carnage if not i feel like he could have gotten a little bit more screen time again it, the movie rushes through a lot of stuff so quickly it's amazing what happens when you don't give him a clown haircut and just make him actually scary he was he's pretty <laughs> good he char- he harnesses a lot of his natural born killers character uh basically him and a love interest go on killing people um it was it was fun. They get away with quite a bit for a PG thirteen movie, which is I know a lot of people are concerned about that with it being carnage and everything else. Uh, but as a whole, I don't think you need to rush out to this movie. But we'll talk about it later. It's it's an important movie right now, and it's a very good thing whether you like this movie or not. Everyone's going to be talking about the post credit scene, and naturally so. Um, but for the most part, the movie's entertaining. But everyone's gonna really more just be talking about the post credit scene than anything else at this point um but okay. i don't i don't mind if this franchise continues i think that's the the goal they've done probably pretty good job making it just pretty independent so far i liked andy circus's direction with this it wasn't a huge step up in quality from the first one but it was at least entertaining enough and tom hardy is surprisingly dedicated to this i don't know what it is but he gives like 120 percent the entire time for both the first one and especially this one you're just like what is it about this that you're just like i'm gonna stick to this this is my thing now <laughs> it's because you know he figures if he could does a good job at this he's not gonna be wolverine he's gotta be wolverine he's not gonna be wolverine oh man I, I i actually i'm planning to see it on monday um while I'm getting other stuff <clears throat> ready, uh, but yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I have heard good things about it, and I'm interested to see what the end credit is. Um, yeah, that's it's. Uh, it'll be, it'll be hopefully a good time. I'm honestly starting to get kind of excited for um, No Time to Die. I'm mm. all always excited about Halloween Kills. I'm getting super stoked for Dune and that I had a friend that was like, it's not my thing, man. I don't really, I'm not really interested in it. Saw the trailer in front when he went to go see Venom and was like, yeah, no, I'm hooked now. Now I'm going to see Dune. I was like, cool. All right. Like, that's good. More seats in that, more butts in that seat. And if international box office is anything to go by, I will be happily eating my words about Dune when I said it would be a box office flop. Um, so far internationally, it's doing quite well. We'll see how it does domestically. I still think it's going to have a major hill to climb to do well, but who knows? Um, maybe it'll be a surprise hit. We're just coming up with a lot of movies coming out, so I don't know if anything's going to have a big extended run like Shang-Chi had, like, what was it, four weeks at number one. Uh, Venom will not be number one next week. I think Bond will knock that off. Uh, Halloween Kills will not be number one at all because of the move to Peacock, I don't think. And also, it being an R-rated movie kind of limits some of your audience. Yeah. Um, 
But it, it's nice to get back to movies again consistently, you know, before they all get taken away from us. Yeah. <laughs> so what we mean by movies getting taken away from us is we are dangerously close. Like the light is green now at the stoplight for all things movies and TV to basically freeze until things get better. So I don't know the full situation with this, but the IATSE is more or less like the governing body. It's kind of like the union for below the line film and entertainment workers. And so what do we mean by below the line is like camera ops, grips, um, catering, just basically like any of the, I don't want to say non-high-profile, but the the more of the bit players, not like your writers or your directors or your actors. This refers more to the layman's jobs, wardrobing, um, costuming, the everyday kind of jobs. They're, they've gotten the green light to go on strike in a vote that was like 98% of people are going 98%, I think. Of the union it's, body, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I have an article up in front of me because I'm actually trying to. You know, oh, yeah. What like, would you got? And, uh, uh, the vote passed at 98.7 percent support. So that's that's a quite a a large like margin. Um, they're basically negotiating for like and have been negotiating since May for a for a new contract, seeking a lot long address concerns, um, including but not limited to the. Long hours on set, streaming wage sales and residuals, and stability of pension and health funds. So basically, saying like, like uh, to, to my understanding, if you work on a movie, your contract is basically will basically say, give or take, that you get a certain cut of the move the sales from theaters and DVDs and royalties and stuff like that because you worked on that film. Well, uh, I I'm assuming based on this. That people were not getting any of that from from streaming. So, which is again, I think I think we'll I'll bring it up after we kind of talk about this issue uh, specifically. But that is basically the reason why Scarlett Johansson ended up winning was because of because of these kinds of issues. But yeah, so basically saying. Um, like they need to be taken care of better. I, from what I've been reading, they. Uh, specifically TV productions have been getting hit harder with longer, longer hours. That's that's cool. more of what I was getting at. From everything yeah. I've heard, it, it really isn't streaming related. It's more of it's kind of been like the worst kept secret that film productions are like one of the worst working conditions. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, for a very long time, it's kind of just been like played as the joke of just like, well, you're going to have to work 16-hour days, and you get to work for six months straight, but you're working on a movie set, so isn't that special? And you're just like, cool that you're making a movie, but those working conditions sound awful. That's why, yeah. like, there's certain directors that, like, make specific rules of just like, no, we're doing this. Like, I remember James Gunn is very active on Twitter, which has been both good and bad for him career-wise, but um, yeah. he he's very open and honest with a lot of people's questions, and he has spoken before of, like, my goal every single day is to work a 12-hour shift, and that is it. I don't want to work overtime. I don't want to tax my crew. Um, I want to make sure we get the shots right the first time. That way we don't have to keep doing stuff and also drag things out much longer than I have to. Uh, because by and large, 
Like, when you say your uh, employees weekend, it's not always Saturdays and Sundays. Very rarely. Josh and I both know weekends don't mean Saturdays and Sundays when you're working in entertainment or food, whatever else. Your weekends are whatever your day's off. So a lot of these employees weren't getting weekends, whether or not those are like a Monday and Tuesday or whatever else. They they weren't getting the time off that they were needing to, causing extra stress, working ridiculously long hours, not getting properly compensated, which unfortunately is not a new issue. So for all these people that might not know the whole situation, they're just like, Hollywood's on strike. That's dumb. It's like this has nothing to do with like the Hollywood egos of like actors or directors this is people that you will never see or never hear of behind the camera getting screwed over and have been kind of been screwed over for about a hundred years now like if i remember correctly there was an article saying this is like the first strike in like 120 years like the system has not the system really has not changed and culture we have changed like uh, the pandemic has really opened, I think, a lot of businesses' eyes of, oh, we are not properly compensating our people, and they're choosing to take their talents to South Beach or somewhere else, so to speak, and film is going to learn this the hard way. We don't want it to because it'll basically put a production halt on any movie or TV that's in business right now and could even theoretically affect the theme parks. I saw some reports that people were going, this might affect Disney World. It will not. Disney has already come out and said that it won't. Uh, Universal, they are non-union. They are employees of Universal itself, which I've always thought was a much better and smarter choice. Um, But if anything, people should be on the side of the strike because these people are getting worked to death for our entertainment like cool yeah they're making tv and making movies that we love they shouldn't have to be burnt out to all heck and basically just be run ragged to make that entertainment work for us like you at home probably work an eight to ten hour job a day these people it's normal for them to work 14 to 16 i've heard stories of some people working 20 hour days i'm going in what world is that healthy like yeah with with like like a six hour turnaround, like they they're working 12, 12, 15 hour days and then having to be back at work at like six hours, and so like but one of the things in the union that the union is it's trying to get the contracts to say is like like a ten hour uh, ten hour turnaround between shifts for every one as well as like a fifty fifty four hour turnaround on weekends. So it's like and to the point they're they're actually having to say hey. There needs to be stiffer penalties for productions that don't provide or stop for a lunch. Are you kidding me? Like, and like, I think a part of this too is we just assume like, oh, that's show business. Well, that doesn't that's that doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, like how oh, they're making millions of dollars, but that doesn't make it right. And that's most the thing. of the time, that's the mo- problem. The, yeah, people, people are just that like are talking about. Yeah, are people are just like they're making millions. The people that this is affecting, they are not. They're thinking of above the line people. There's an above the line, which are jobs like directors, writers, producers, and actors, and then there's below the line, which is lighting, grips, uh, AV techs. Those people are much more pay level, like everyday people. They might be slightly higher just to compensate the Hollywood economics just because california is a much more expensive place to live than florida or tennessee etc but by and large they're not getting paid more than you and i really 
and they're getting screwed over hard and it's only right that they get compensated one any form of specialized skill i think should be paid adequately for that if you have a specialized skill whether that's like automotive training or plumbing or electrical work that's a specialized skill that requires higher pay film is no different grips there's training for that audio techs that there's training for that and these people deserve to be financially compensated and also heaven forbid they be allowed to have a lunch and a weekend like i get yeah i get that sometimes you are gonna be like cruise ships they will have like six months on basically of just mm-hmm. straight work but then you've got like three to four months off just completely off before you get back on and i understand the film can be like that if you need a location for a little bit but you need to in that case maybe have an a crew and a b crew and alternate like i had a job very briefly working at a news station and when it was hurricane weather everyone was brought into the office and you would kind of flip-flop 12 hours on 12 hours off basically that way no one left the building but you still got your designated time and you weren't gonna like get stuck in traffic or get stuck somewhere with the hurricane maybe something like that so you people will still have their time off like how nuts is it that we have to get this far to get people basically their normal treatment on a film set and we've allowed the whole well it's a movie that makes it okay logic for too long yeah. I'm like no it's just yeah. a regular job for these people yeah and that and that's what's tough and like i'm seeing things like the studio is trying to it's kind of pulling like almost disney like kind of stuff where it's like well you know we have suggested this list of things and they're just not working with us on those things yeah well those things are like the french workday which means uh they just take out lunch so that they can they can work straight through and that quote unquote gives them shorter work days as someone who has worked for a company that basically does French at working hours, that does not mean that I've actually worked the longest days I've had were at that company because you just work and you just go until you're done. And that it, it just doesn't, it's not conducive to a healthy human being. And like everyone deserves to be a healthy human being. Like you can't, mm, yeah. Anyway. What a novel concept. I know, right? Now this next one is going to be interesting and a little complicated so i'm going to try and dissect it as best as we can but for those that have been listening to the podcast or have been following horror movie news for any length of time you know that the original screenwriter for the original friday the 13th victor miller was suing Seanus cunningham the director of friday the 13th basically saying that like hey i created the first friday the 13th and i have not gotten any like royalties or payments for the franchise that has become one of the biggest horror franchises of all all time well, he sued Seanus Cunningham and won. So Cunningham basically sent an appeal to the court basically saying, I don't think he was right here. Can we get more or less like a recount type of situation, like an election yeah. type of do-over? And in the do-over, once again, Victor Miller was found to be in the right here. Basically, he was a contractor that is owed specific money or he owns the rights. Where this gets complicated for me and why people at home should care, there's a multitude of reasons. First of all, 
And most pressing is the very interesting fact of the guy that represented Victor Miller in this case. I forget what the man's name is, but the man representing Victor Miller that won the case for Victor Miller is the one that's going to be representing the families of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko in the lawsuit against Marvel. Now, just last week, we talked about Disney will probably win this. To me, this makes things a lot more interesting that this guy, think of it like wrestling or sports. This guy now has momentum on his side. Does the momentum affect things at all? So now Disney may, I don't think Disney will reconsider, but now Disney may have to reconsider their approach at least. This guy is now coming off a huge win, getting this original script writer, basically the rights to the original domestic rights for Friday the 13th. Where does this leave Friday the 13th? Well, now that this has been officially settled in court, parties can kind of move forward to start thinking about more Fridays. Like, before, yeah. there was, you can't touch it at all, no matter what. Like, I remember the Friday the 13th game, which is fun, but still the buggiest game I have ever played. They were working on stability stuff. They were even working on, Josh, this is going to hurt us both. Before the lawsuit started, the very next update that they were going to do was a Jason X update with a map on the space station with a skin of Jason X. I'm going, we were this close. But because of this lawsuit, everything got put on hold and they couldn't, Mm -hmm. they legally couldn't do anything. They couldn't put any patches up. Um, The question for me has always been, there's been re-releases of certain Blu-rays in those prevening years since the lawsuit. And I've kind of wondered where that money went or how that was allowed to happen. Like uh, Friday the 13th, like eight film box set, which was kind of confusing to me. But this means that we can start kind of there's a light now at the end of the tunnel for more Friday the 13th. Josh does not care about that so much. But I think nowadays people should because we're getting a lot of horror revitalizations and whether you like Jason or not, he is an icon of the genre. Look at the wonders that was done by Blumhouse for the Halloween franchise after Rob Zombie basically buried it six feet under. They revitalized it and made it what it is now. And it's a really cohesive story. Uh, I'm really looking forward to kills yeah. and ends. I think the same thing could happen here with Jason. The question that I've always had, though, is legally speaking... How's this approaching? Because as any horror fan knows or anybody that's seen Scream knows, so much of the Friday lore is not in the first movie. So, like, if Sean S. Cunningham wants to work around Victor Miller somehow, can he? Or do they still need to kind of come together now? Um, Well, what's interesting to me, too, is that if Victor Miller wants to and victor's been oddly like vocal about uh how he does not like the idea of sequels and he did like he he adamantly has not ever seen any of them which i don't know how you can not like something and not see it uh but um he loves he's so attached to the idea that jason the first you know friday the 13th it was more story about a, a mother being driven, driven crazy by her son drowning, and so she goes on a killing spree, right? Like, that's the, the original story. And to me, I enjoy the first Friday the 13th. I, 13th. I think it's it's something... There's something, like, really compelling about it. And to Victor's credit, that the, 
that's absolutely the case. But the problem that he's going to run into is not just if Cunningham wants to do another one, but if Victor wants to do another one and Victor's unwilling to acknowledge the sequels, where do you go? What do you do? Do you re- rewrite it? You can't really re- rewrite the first one because everybody already knows the story. So, but it, then you do a sequel or do you do a prequel? Like there's, there's a lot of the, the issue with the lawsuit is it's put a green light on things, but then muddied the water at the same time. Yeah. And also again, he has the domestic rights. So mm-hmm. hypothetically, Sean S. Cunningham oh, could make a Friday the 13th movie and release it overseas, but it wouldn't be able to come to America. And now it's still, yeah. I think, legally be okay. It just gets really, really complicated. But say Victor Miller, without Cunningham, wants to do a new Friday movie. He could technically have Jason, but he would have to have dead teen, uh, like child Jason that drowned in another lake. Like, zombie yeah. Jason doesn't come back until 2. He doesn't wear the hockey mask until 3. He doesn't become zombie until 6. Like, there's so much elements of the character that come in the sequels. And so, the core elements that come from the first one are Pamela Voorhees, the name Voorhees, Camp Crystal Lake, and Friday the 13th. Besides that, like, it, it gets complicated, but... I think now that this is finally definitively settled and Cunningham took the L, so to speak, I think as much as he and Miller don't like each other, I'm sure, right now after this whole issue, they're going to have to come to the table. And I think they will for the betterment of the franchise because Miller, it's a it's a it's a jigsaw puzzles, basically, of one person has certain pieces and the other person has certain other pieces you need all the pieces to make a friday movie like theoretically you could have hockey mask killer um he just can't be in camp crystal like which i say you can absolutely do yeah but it's weird and complicated but if nothing else it's means now that this is done we can actually start it's like when a team fires their GM. Now you can actually start the rebuilding process. You're still going to suck for a little bit, and a new Friday is going to be a long way off. But at least you can start the rebuild f- phase as opposed to legally being able to not do or say anything at all. Yeah, that, which is a big step forward, you know, and as long as you don't stick your foot in your mouth le- later like the Rockies did. Um, uh Hey, 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 I'm still recovering from the fact that our interim GM that we're like, hey, at the end of the season, our interim GM is just going to be there for one season, then we're going to find somebody. Guess who we hired as our new GM? The interim GM. The interim GM, because change is a word we hate, apparently, and progress is a word we hate. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I don't don't know why that came to mind, because I remember seeing you post about it, but... um, a lot of this is very reminiscent to me of the, the Sherlock Holmes thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Recently. That's like, okay, you're allowed to use Sherlock Holmes in public domain as long as the character does not do this, 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 and this. And can't have these personality traits and can't have this part of his life be apparent because that part of the story is not public domain. It's just like, and I, I have a 
feeling that that's where we're going to go, and I hope it's not. Because, I mean, Friday the 13th is already one of those series that has been kind of milked to death in the worst possible ways. I mean, say what you want about the Halloween series, but Friday the 13th has the worst sequels. And it's it's just tough. I think it's the, tough all the way around. A new Friday though, I think would make a lot of money because the yeah, last yeah. one was 2009. Mm-hmm. It's been that long. Like it also depends on who's making it. Like I've said for a while I would love Blumhouse to do it, but I could see other people other studios going, okay, we need our own yeah. icon. Like Universal yeah. has the Universal Monsters, but they also technically have Michael because they own Blumhouse. Um, Warner Brothers has Pennywise and I think Pinhead because I th- I'm i trying to remember. Yeah, Clive Hellraiser Barker now got the rights back to Hellraiser, but I think since they're doing an HBO Max series, I think that's yeah. Warner Brothers. Like, it's... <laughs> Horror is like divided but between a whole bunch of different studios. So maybe somebody swoops in, Paramount swoops in or something. Yeah, because yeah, Paramount can afford <laughs> anything right now. Bro, no, how crazy would it be? Pro- Paramount presents Friday the 13th. No, the no, 13th. no. I got one. <laughs> A24 presents oh, stop. Friday no. the 13th. No, no, <laughs> this series is weird enough. We don't need A24 to get involved. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little too too trippy here well uh, in the big surprise of the weekend and a further okay good the box office is slowly but surely returning venom let there be carnage straight up dominated as it grossed a new pandemic era record of 90.1 million dollars opening weekend say what you will about the quality of the movie but this is incredibly reassuring to me. This is a good thing. Um, I personally didn't mind Venom Let Therapy Carnage. I liked it better than the first one. Is it the best superhero movie out there? Absolutely not. It's got some pacing issues. Could have been longer. But this to me is a good sign. It also to me should be a sigh of relief for Sony because this was the movie that they kept delaying and it was their first kind of sticking their toe in the water back to theatrical releases, so to speak, because they were the ones that were just like, we're going to put things only in theaters and not on streaming services because, hey, Sony, what streaming service do you have? Oh, that's right. You just kind of loan out, loan out. That's a kind way to put it. You just loan out your properties to other production companies until you get eventually bought out by Apple one day. But... They've been very adamant of movies are going to be sticking to theaters. And then, as we all remember, this movie gets delayed a couple times and then eventually gets moved back up because of Shang-Chi's success. They're just like, oh, yeah. people are going. Did I ever send you the meme? There's this great meme of J. Jonah Jameson as the Sony exec. And they're just like, uh, Parker, Venom, Parker, you're delayed again. But, sir, Shang-Chi just made a whole bunch of money. Parker, get back in here. You're not delayed again. <laughs> And I'm like, that's so yeah, true. That sounds Because they right. like, rebump right. things around. This is a good thing. Uh, it shows people going back to the theaters. Uh, it also shows to me that people within the film bubble, once again, still are not the majority. Because people within the film bubble, 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 <laughs> people within the bubble. film bubble are kind of <laughs> divisive about this movie. But I think the general audience still really, really enjoys this. Like the same people that kind of like the Transformers movies. You could just 
Turn your brain off and have fun with it. More importantly, though, this means to me, Uncharted is not getting delayed. I was... <laughs> the <laughs> thought in the back of my mind was, if this does not do well... I was serious. I thought, if this movie does not do well, expect Sony to delay not only Uncharted, but any of their upcoming projects for fear of embarrassment again. Like, oh, if this did not do gosh. well, watch them go, um... Ghostbusters now coming out March and Uncharted now coming out July. The only one that would probably stay is Spider-Man. But this confirms to me Uncharted is staying where it's at and we will get some Uncharted stuff by the end of this month because I will always turn stuff into Uncharted because you know that's me. And also, I was convinced we were going to talk about Uncharted this week and we didn't get a trailer. I'm convinced we're getting it by the end of this month because, and this is going to make it sound like time's just flying by, Josh, we're closing in on the one-year anniversary of that picture of Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. Holy cow. What? That dropped October 22nd. It's what? been a whole year. Dang, dude. Yeah, like, I was talking to somebody recently and I was like, this year is, is, is just, like, flying by. And, like, but you know what? Quicker time to get to spooky season, the better. Um, I agree with you. I think that yeah this shows that the box office is still there it's still able to perform on the levels that quote-unquote hollywood needs it to um yeah i see no issues i'm i'm gonna go see it see, see it on monday hopefully uh and i, I just i think it, it's another small step to making sure that everything goes back to quote-unquote normal, I think, as far as movies movies go. Now, last but not least is one that I wasn't expecting to talk about, but one, it's a very slow news week, and two, this also surprised me with how different it was. So, for anybody that's been following the Rocky franchise, Sylvester Stallone for a while, for the past few years, actually, he's been saying that he's been working on a director's cut of Rocky Four. And I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Because as much as I love Sly, there's a lot of things that he talks about that they're working on, but then never actually happen. Like, it's a miracle we're actually finally starting to work on Expendables, because he's just been like, yeah, we're going to get another Expendables. And then, nothing. Well, now, here we are. But also, when he talked about Rocky Four and what he would do with a director's cut of it... To me, at least from his comments, it didn't sound that drastic. He always talked about he wanted to take out Polly's weird girlfriend robot, because that is kind of bizarre and doesn't have any bearing on the story whatsoever. But also, he wanted to make the boxing hits less noisy, because he always thought that they sounded too comically over the top in years since the movie's come out. I thought those were going to be the only changes. Well, Sylvester Stallone released a full actual trailer for this director's cut and just from the trailer alone holy crap did they put in a whole bunch of extra stuff now Sylvester Stallone has said that they've added dropped back in about 40 minutes of footage that they shot that wasn't in the original movie and I'm going wow. um what now but noticing some stuff in the trailers they put some stuff that's not in Rocky 4 and not from what they shot there's a scene at the end of the trailer when he gets knocked down by Drago and you get the old adage from Mickey get up you son of a and that's actually from Rocky 5 so whether he's pulling from different Rocky movies um 
there's just certain scenes that they get fleshed out more of like why Apollo wants to fight Drago, so to speak. Um, there's more scenes with that. There's the boxing committee basically saying he's had one professional fight and one man is dead. Like that's interesting dynamic there. Uh, this has the potential to be a completely different movie. That being said, I don't want it to be too different because I love Rocky Four so much. And people were like, it's cheesing over the top. It's the 80s. What do you expect? I don't care that a third of the movie is montage. Maybe that's something that's going to get tweaked here and go less montage heavy. But I was actually very surprised by this trailer. One, because it's it's just nice to have Rocky again. But two, just from the trailer alone, how much stuff I had not seen before. And this is coming from someone who has seen all the Rocky movies repeatedly going, ah, that's new. That's new. Hadn't seen that, and it seems, like, color-corrected, done, everything. This seems to be a very different movie. Uh, as a fellow Rocky fan, Josh, do you want a director's cut of Rocky Four? It's not something I thought I wanted, but, uh, sure, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, I think, uh, I'm trying to make sure I phrase this in a, in a good way, but. I think, if anything, Sly has learned a lot about his directorial and writing direction that he likes more now. And Rocky IV could be very well just be one of those projects that he's really, really proud of, but which wishes that he could go back and now that he is who he is, change it, change some things. And honestly, I'm there's a large part of me that's here for it. I mean, just like imagine... Rocky Four with the pacing of Creed One and Two, like, perf, like absolutely. And that seems what them, this is. It seems much more yeah, like they're taking their some, time with scenes. Yeah, taking your times, making the emotional hit, emotions hit harder. Again, it's 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 a drama that boxing happens to be in, and which is I think very prevalent of Rocky Six and and both the Creeds, um, and I think I I really don't mind him going back and doing this as long as it doesn't really like ruin some of the chronology so to speak considering they've basically done rocky 2 based off of this the events of this movie so it'd be a little weird if they if they omitted some stuff and no i think the general story will still be there just certain things will be more fleshed out and other things will drop like there won't be any robot but there'll be more drama of feeling the guilt for basically, hey, I let my friend die type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing to, important to know is a lot of times with these director's cuts or extended cuts, there's different music. Like Return of the, the – all the Lord of the Rings extended editions have different soundtracks than the theatrical versions. And in the trailer for this, they play an amazing orchestral version of Eye of the Tiger that I kind of really, really hope is in this movie because it was so well done. It took me a little bit to go, oh, wait. Is, is that what I think it is? Yeah, that's that's really good. So I'll be curious if the music changes because it always kind of bothered me, as much as I like Rocky Four, that they never use Rocky's theme in Rocky Four. They never use the... They kind of go really, really hard on the John Cafferty music with the hearts on fire and everything else. I'm like, this is fine, but... I want to hear the classic Rocky music. Maybe when he's like scaling <laughs> the actual side of a mountain. But 
this sounds interesting. Now, for right now, it's going to be a one-night-only thing in theaters, and it'll be coming to digital, and then there will be a physical copy of this later this year. I'm trying to remember if they said it will be a 4K release or not, but if they're putting in all this effort, I would assume that it is. Um, if you had to, is there any other movies that you know out there that have enough supplemental material that you would want a director's cut for? Like in general like from or just from Sly? Uh, just in general. In general? Um, the Suicide I mean, it, Squad! No. Keep the A or cut. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm good. Sorry, guys. I don't, I don't think the A or cut is going to be as different as you think. I don't want to revisit that world. I don't want to. I would love Vel Diablo to be back. Like, he's a cool character, but like... Uh, um, hmm. I'm trying to think, man. There's a lot of movies that I would love to... Maybe if they redid or... Yeah, I don't know. Quite a few. Um, what would be really interesting is if uh, the only one I don't know why this is coming to mind is if they redid Expendables one and it like actually hit hard emotionally, but it's an Expendables movie, so it it'll never happen just because I don't think the footage exists anymore, or if it ever did. But supposedly, the original director's vision for The Crow 2 was actually really good and really interesting. I remember us talking about that, yeah. About City of Angels. Yeah, that actually, the original premise of that sounded much closer to an actual Crow story while not repeating the Eric Draven narrative. Which would be super cool because. If if there's any complaint I have about the about the crow is that the sequels literally feel just like bad a hollow, like a hollow version of what the original is so it, which is really tough and because it, it's not necessarily that the characters themselves are bad but the movies are just not good. Well, as always, this episode is sponsored by T Public. Normally, I'd be wearing some form of spoopy shirt this time of year, but I'm not this week because we have. Let's see if I can get it in the, in the full camera. We have new merch in. In. Oh, we can't get it, but whatever. We have tinfoil hat shirts now. We finally pulled the trigger. We have tinfoil hat theory shirts, and not gonna lie, guys, they turned out awesome. They look so cool they're so good so if you want a tinfoil hat theory an uncharted media logo shirt um notebook mug whatever you want t public's got it so if you want to support the show or you just want uncharted media merch go to the link in the description get your tinfoil hat theory shirt because it's fantastic and y'all have crazy theories just like us you need something to support those crazy theories now let's talk about some spoopy stuff because spoopy is Mm -hmm. the best and nothing screams good spoopy movie like a good creature design. Like, the movie didn't even have to be necessarily that great. But yeah. if your creature looks awesome, you're obviously going to remember that for a really long time. I think the king of this is Guillermo del Toro. Not saying Guillermo del Toro makes bad movies. But he is the king of really good, interesting creature designs like Hellboy or the Kaiju in Pacific Rim or Pan's mm. Labyrinth. He's really good about creature designs as well as compelling stories, but a good creature design can really elevate a story to the next level. So 
I've got a bunch, but I've also got quite a few that are kind of paired because I feel yeah. that they're very, very similar, whether intentional or not, because horror borrows from itself all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, I'll go with my first one that's kind of a pairing or not because it kind of came out within, I think, three years of each other, and that is Bagul from Sinister and The Babadook. I think they're very, okay. I think they're okay, very, yeah. very similar aesthetically. Just one has a top yeah. hat, but long black trench coat, long black hair. The only difference is one is real. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, and it's the Babadook. And so Babadook um, is not real. <laughs> what he stands for is very real. Oh man, I okay. So I have both of these on here. Hey, Bagul is like, which also quick side tangent. Simple. Quick side tangent. I actually had to Google how to spell this correctly when I was writing down my notes. I was like, "Same." Is it with two O's? Is that it? Nope, nope. I just nope. But Google is fun to say, hard to spell. Yep. Um, Part of it is like he's so simple. Part of me was like, "That's not a great creature design." He just looks like an evil crow figure. Ah, but like at the same same time. That's exactly what he is. He's an evil crow figure, but like it, it works so well to the po- to the point where it's not just that there's a video of him and he's that's paused and he's still looking at you. Um, he's a it's a genuinely creepy getup uh, up until that look that stupid jump scare at the end. Hate um, that jump scare. Hate that jump scare, but it's a genuinely good look. Uh, the Babadook. Uh, <laughs> I. I don't know about you, and but to me, the moments in where in which it looks just like a cheap puppet almost amplifies the design for me. And that because it's not real, it's just a you know a projection of of the main character's brain. Like that's still something. It's gonna change based on how much I guess brain power that the character has at the moment so sometimes throughout the film it doesn't quite look uh like fully cg'd out and stuff like that and to me that that adds to the uh the creepy creepiness factor of it now here's an interesting question to pose to you do you think and again this is mild spoilers for those that haven't seen the babadook do you think the babadook looks different to everyone or do you think he looks the same to everyone yeah, he looks different to everyone because everyone's grief is different. Do we think the dad wore a top hat? Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. Huh. That would be interesting. No, yeah, there's a lot. There's a, For those who have seen the Babadook, there's a lot of directions you can go with the backstory lore. Uh, there's some stuff that the, the main character does, because quote-unquote, because of the Babadook that it does make it a little hard to forgive her, but like once you realize that the Babadook isn't really there. Um, but at the same time, the story is what's important. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about him like having resemblance to the dad. Maybe. At all. You I never know. I thought about that, yeah. Like, what's it? Was it... I'm trying to remember. What was it that like the monster was like, the the gray was it hill house where it was like an actually a meta the monster's design was a metaphor for cancer or something like that oh uh, um, no it wasn't hill house but um yeah i know what you're talking about of like 
it had like sunken eyes and it was pale and whatever else and you find out it's because it was a child's memory of an elderly family oh, member um no 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 no. it's uh um um before i go to sleep yes before the, i wake before i wake the the one about the kid who, yes yes whose dreams come alive and the uh you know what let's 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 you know honorable mention to that character design because the the what did what did he call it the the sunken man something like that i can't remember off the top of my head but first of all before i wake is a or before i sleep is a fantastic movie uh basically the the character the villain ends up being um a childhood trauma basically it's it's the only it's the last living memory basically of what his mom looked like as as she died from cancer so so maybe babadook has something similar uh babadook looks like that because maybe that's a twisted version of the dad well and they died in a car accident didn't they so, so maybe the he, maybe his fingers are driving like, gloves. Yeah, he would be kind of shocked and like, because that's his his expression is so like strained and whatnot. It, it makes sense. It would make sense. But yeah, I, I definitely would think that the Babadook would look different to everyone. That's maybe why the kid is not as afraid of him as the mom is, because maybe the kid's memory of her of his dad is still intact. Food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what you got next? Um, I've got several that I want to kind of save for later. Uh, let's talk about one that kind of came out of nowhere for me that I wasn't sure was going to work for me, but definitely did. Um, have I think you have, but have you seen Netflix's the uh, the Ritual? Yes. Yes. I almost put uh, that on here. Yes, I don't. I couldn't find the actual name of the creature at the end, except that it's just some you know, a strange son of Loki, but it's like, it's, it's so hard to describe with words because it's technically like weird, man. It's weird. It's so weird. Um, to the point where like, so like the first time you kind of see it is when is the hand on the, on the, it's, it's in the trailer of the hand that goes on the, on the tree. And then he doesn't really realize it's there until it moves. And you're like, okay, cool. That's, all right, so we're dealing with a humanoid. Okay, that's fine. Um, until you see the thing, and it's like twice the size, the height of an 18-wheeler, easily. Um, it's huge. And the hands are really like... I, I don't know how to describe it. It's so odd-looking. Because it's like, like if a human body got attached to, like, a deer, almost... It's to the point, like yeah, like that's when it when it's like doing its little angry thing in the in the moon that it it looks like kind of like a <sighs> freaky deer. But yeah, it's it's incre- It's so weird, and just the way that they, they 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 do protect it. I still have questions as to how it it moves through the forest so silently. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, I'll let it be. <laughs> Is it weird that from a distance he kind of reminds me of oh was it J.K. Simmons and Kung Fu Panda, like the horns and everything kind of look like. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, kind of yeah. looks like what's from his a face? distance. Yeah, when he's doing when he's doing the stand up th- part at the end, like yeah, it's super. I think it's funny too to really talk about creature designs where you have to spoil a bunch of movies, <laughs> basically. But uh, like, sometimes, yeah, well, some of these, yeah, some of these. Others, so not so much. Um, 
Okay, well, here's one that definitely has spoilers because it's the final result is what's really, really gross. And the whole movie is basically the evolution or de-evolution, basically, of Jeff Goldblum because Ooh. we're talking about creature designs. Yeah. The fly is disgusting. Oh, oh my god. I'm dear. not normally squeamish in movies, but good god, Grundle fly. <laughs> I I can't so I, I was doing because you know me, I, I sometimes I just need pictures to remind me of stuff. And I was scrolling through, you know monsters from horror movies. And the fly came up and I was like, I can't. I can't talk about it. I can't I can't even look at it. That's disgusting. Stop. No. It's Absolutely so well not. done. It's just Absolutely so gross. Not. No, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll pass. No, it's almost as lifelike as the other thing that I, I will pair with it <laughs> uh, is the monster from The Thing in the 1982 yeah. version. The, which one? That's the 82, I think, okay, is okay. The, the one with all the, uh, the, the uh, practical effects. Yes. I didn't know if you were going to talk about like the original Howard Hawks version, in which case it's just a dude. No, <laughs> we're talking about the thing okay. that uh, I, I have it in my notes as the alien with many faces because you never truly know what the alien looks like. Um, plus, it wears a guy's face a couple times, which was hilarious to me in retrospect. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, that it's again also like the fly, very practically done, still holds up in a lot of ways even today. Um, gosh, it's so gross. Oh, it's so See, gross. There's oh, so many that... real good parts in that that I'm still questioning how they did it. Like the when it has, it's just the head with the arms and it scurries mm-hmm. across the room. Like, how did you do that? Or the one that I'm still like, huh? no, is when they're about to put the defibrillator on the creature and oh, the, the cat, mm-hmm. he has like a chest cavity, opens up and basically almost eats this guy's arms and then just becomes this monster with tendrils and a a disembodied head almost and you're like how is this practical like what kind of horrible monster made this monster so to speak like this is terrifying and gross i i love the thing but it's just so gross i think i saw a documentary or like a video a video feature at some point about like how they did the special effects and all that like down to the detail and still with them saying that i'm still like how how did you how'd you do that it's so weird Ugh, so good um all right i'm gonna do one that uh you probably won't agree with me on and that's okay uh, so I want to talk about Mama for a second. That's not bad. Uh, it's not a bad design. It's, it's not a bad design. I think I, I it kind of hark. Man, I wish I had tied it in. It harkens back to our conversation about like the Babadook and the what is it the sunken man or whatever from that we were talking about. Yes. Uh, uh, in that the the monster is a. It, it is what what happened to it to before before it died or whatever, um, with all the cracking bones and the disgusting dis- disfigurement. Um, all in all, Mom, Mama itself is not a bad movie. It's 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 a decent watch. Um, but still to this day, the two most terrifying sections of the movie, um, outside of the obvious running jump scare. Uh, are the scene where the guy can only see through fla- through the flashes on his camera, 
and you slowly see Mama float out and come for him that way. Terrifying. Um, and then also, <laughs> while it be a little humorous when Mama comes for the ant, and it's just like, at one point, just like flowing hair floating along the floor until it like stops in front of her, looks up at her, and then goes <laughs> like, oh, so scary. So cool. I love it. So let's go with one that is either super cute or is absolutely terrifying and it's over the past few years just like taken over halloween and i do not know why because i still claim that a lot of people that like this character haven't seen it because the movie did not do well when it first came out that's obviously sam from trick-or-treat sam merch is like everywhere now and i felt like a few years ago it really wasn't and all of a sudden you just see sam everywhere he's almost like in the same discussion with as freddie or jason in terms of just how much merchandise they have I'm not saying quality because yeah. he's only got one movie as opposed to multiple but sam i feel like is everywhere but i like his design a lot there's a lot of just echoes of other elements to him i kind of like the small stature normally i'm not a big fan of small like leprechaun doesn't scare me um but sam's not meant to scare he can be scary but he's not meant to scare i think that the difference between sam or like a michael myers or jason Voorhees is sam in and of himself is not bad if you just follow the rules of halloween like he will clearly very obviously leave you alone if you just follow his rules he's more or less like the guardian of halloween He's got the the um, burlap. That's the word I'm looking for. He's got the burlap sack <laughs> uh, mask. But what's under the mask, I appreciate it almost looks pumpkin-like. So even when he's got the mask off, he still very much embodies the spirit of Halloween. You kind of don't know if he's like a little ghoul or a little possessed child. The design really, really works. Uh, I don't know if they ever intended for him to be as mar- uh, marketed as he is nowadays, but I really like the design of Sam, and I'm trying to find pop figures for him, but he's incredibly hard to find. There's two pop figures that came out that I really, really want. There's one of him with a pumpkin sitting on a log, and then there's another one of Michael Myers in front of the Myers house, and I need it because it looks so cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, speaking of, of characters that from movies that didn't do well, but they're really popular these days for reasons, um, do we talk about Pyramid Head from Silent Hill? Cause... I wasn't going to put it on my list primarily just because it was out of sight, out of mind. But I think design-wise, outstanding. Yeah, incredible. Such a cool, like, it is one of the only things about Silent Hill that I like <laughs> is Pyramid Head it's yeah you're not missing anything in my opinion um but it's it's one of those like it's just such it 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 kind of goes with sam in that as long as you follow the rules like you're fine dude like don't worry about it pyramid has is just cool like the design is cool he i want him to be my friend um (laughs) now i got one that i know for a fact at least Half of this is not on Josh's list because I don't think Josh has even heard of this movie. So while I say it, I want Josh to look it up. That way he can kind of see the design itself okay, for okay. a very underrated slash movie. It's not particularly the best, but I think the design is underrated for a movie called Nightbreed. 
So I'm typing loud for you. Huh? I'm typing loud for you. Nightbreed, 1990 film. I think the design for Nightbreed, the killer Nightbreed, looks so much cooler than the movie itself is in. It's kind of and Josh is looking at it right now. What in the world? This is insane. Right? It's a very good design. It's like if Slenderman and Coraline had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's horrifying. Right? What there was oh, such a good so... design. I paired it though with something that really really reminds me of, which is the strangers. This feels uh... like a very this feels very much like a precursor to the strangers, which also I love the design for all three of the strangers. Like, you can get their personalities just by the designs. Like, yes, you get a little bit of how they interact with their victims as they're preying on them just by how they act, but also more specific by how they look. I think the Nightbreed design is fantastic. It's kind of like a burlap sack with a button over the mouth. It's it's creepy. It's different. Uh, it's one of the few that... Uh, the design holds up in daylight. There's a lot of daylight in Nightbreed, and normally... Put your design in daylight, and it does not look super, super effective. But I think the one in Nightbreed's fantastic. Uh, I like the Strangers. Strangers isn't scary unless you're watching it when you're home alone, in which case it is the single most terrifying movie you will ever find. I still shudder in that fantastic wide shot when Liv Tyler's in her um, dining room, and you just see someone with no music, just walk in the background and look at the camera and then walk back. And you're just like, no, no, what what, what was that? Like, the fact that yeah. there's barely any oh. music in The Strangers just creeps me the heck out. It's, and, yeah, oh, the designs are so good. So, so good. I, mm. and There's so many scenes, too, where you know where the, where, the, where, the, where the bad guys are, but the characters don't, and you're not, like... But then they... they uh, subvert expectations and ah so good such a good movie both of them honestly really enjoyed both of them um so i've got a collection of aliens that cool. i want to get to cool 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 um, i figured uh let's lead off with uh so a movie we've been talking about a lot lately uh let's talk about the aliens in a quiet place um to me very unique story driven character that like has <laughs> it's a very like D kind of kind of thing where it's like all right cool so you have this this monster right this this race of monsters that can tear anything apart they're super strong super fast uh but they can't see and they're entirely echolocation so you have to be careful about, about all the sound you make like that's so like a very something uh, a, a a dungeon master would uh, homebrew just to give their players something to really be scared of but yeah like genuinely it's not necessarily anything quote-unquote new but it's unique and the fact of, of the matter is that they can hear so from so far away makes it extra scary in my opinion the only thing for me at least with a quiet place is it felt a little too much like the demogorgons and stranger things like, True. the design is very similar. It also kind of, maybe it's just because I haven't seen it in a while, but it immediately made me think of the aliens in Super 8. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm sorry about that for you. 
I don't I mind just... Super 8. It's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, but like not being able to see the Quiet Place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As much that. as I love like, a Quiet Place. Like that sucks. Um, let's also talk about another alien. Um, I am one of those people that likes the 2017 It better than the original. Um, preface, just the first one. Depends this... on what we're what we're grading it on. There's certain parts that I think work better than the original. I, th- I think I like the Tim Curry It better. Depends mm. on what you want. The Tim See. Curry It is there to trap kids. It's supposed to look disarming of like kids will actually go to it. Whereas Skarsgård, why is any child talking to them? He's that, automatically yeah. terrifying. But I he will agree. absolutely scary. New It is fantastic. The first one. The second one. Yeah. All the training is. wheels fall off. <laughs> like, holy yes. crap. Yes. Um, but the design for me is absolutely terrible. Like, I agree with the reasoning behind it. Absolutely. But... Oh my goodness, is the 2017 it terrifying? Like the way that his eyes are never quite focused, the way like his his cadence, the way that he walks, even something that should make you laugh, like when he does that stupid dance towards the end. I is laughed like, during the dance. <laughs> I laughed, but I was also like, the more he did it, the more I was a little terrified. Of like the okay, um, or like in like. I just there, there's not a lot that it does that it does that isn't at the very least mildly unsettling. Like when they finally get to the house and he crawls out of that uh, what is it a refrigerator or closet or whatever? Yeah, fridge. Oh, so like so good, so good. And like Scar Scarzard, I think gets all the praise on that. Um, I I still see the meme of when Bill Hader was like, so are you, do they move your eye in like post-production or, and he's like, no, and just turns to, and like moves his eye and freaks <laughs> Bill Hader out. Like, oh, it's so good. That's good. I, I got four more. How many more you got? I got three more and one of them is an alien. Actually five more. Now that I think about it. Whoa, whoa, Cause whoa. I thought you were going to have one of in your aliens, but apparently not. And it's whoa, not I'm... alien as much honorable mention to alien. It's created from a nightmare. Yeah, we all know the yeah. lore. Uh, alien looks cool i'm always kind of more partial to the predator though i think the really i'm always design wise and movie wise i'm always i lean more towards predator i like more predator movies than i do alien movies of i like the first predator a lot i like um first alien versus predator which i guess kind of works for both of them i really really like the adrian brody 2011 predators um the xenomorph's got a cool design but i like the variety of predator we also get too. xenomorph you kind of know what you're gonna get they're all exactly the same there's different stages of the evolution but predators i feel like there's more customization um i mean now that you got an actual video game you can customize it but there's more flair and personality within the predators themselves like in an alien versus predator you have that like high lord predator and you can immediately tell that he's the one in charge by his garb um even when he's got the mask on he's creepy but then he takes the mask off at the end of the first one and arnold's right he is one ugly mfr if you're just like that's gross um like xenomorph stuff of nightmares but I've always kind of leaned more towards the Predator's design, just as an, from a st- aesthetic standpoint. I think it looks cool, and it's I think that's more terrifying because it's like 
a football linebacker with weapons coming for you. <laughs> Fair enough. What's so odd is, I a I'm the exact opposite. I think aliens are cooler. Um, but I've never like in my brain, like even though it's totally horror, it's totally in the same vein as Alien. I've always considered it like a like a thriller more than a, like a horror movie. And so for whatever reason, my brain has just never been like, yeah, predators. That's a, that's a creature that, that, that's scary. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, but for, for, for whatever reason that why that is, who knows? It's Josh's brain has got lots of concussions in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I like the xenomorphs better. I, I just think uh, the idea that literally every, single thing about this creature is engineered to cause pain even if you were to fight back and made it bleed it would still hurt you you know like there's just not a lot about the xenomorphs that you can you can do to defend yourself and i think that's absolutely terrifying they can be quiet they can be loud they get like there's so many weapons that it's hard to defend yourself against them and to me especially in um, that first alien, and a little bit in, oh, Jesus, not Prometheus, the one after that. Alien Covenant? Yes. I, I, I really, like, they did try to give us a little bit of a variety in the Xenomorphs and in, in Covenant, which I did appreciate. I think the Pred Alien could have looked cool had we been able to see any of it. But <laughs> you talked about how an alien is, like, engineered for pain and grief. No, not grief, but just pain and anguish and be the most deadly killing machine. Which gets me thinking about some other thing that was created basically for death and destruction. What if a xenomorph ever merged with Doomsday? Stop. Don't need it. Don't need that that nightmare machine in my head. Doomsday that can spit acid and has a tail. Well, just like the idea of like Doomsday having Superman pinned... And Superman's finally starting to fight back, and Doomsday open his, opens his mouth, and that small mouth comes out, and just like oh, oh, like talk about heartbreaking, bro. Like or he's like, winning, he's fighting back, boom, he's dead. Oh, or like oh, okay. Superman finally starts getting the upper hand and starts making um, the Xenomorph Doomsday bleed, but as we know, oh. the blood is acid, so it's literally like melting oh, away dude. part of his suit. Oh. We're booking things that don't actually exist. <laughs> yeah, but like that um, would be. I'm sure that there's a there's an Elseworld story somewhere. There's probably some weird fanfic on like Tumblr that. or something. Oh, you know what? I think I'm gonna go write a comic book. I'll be right back. <laughs> so, um, I'll talk about the Universal Monsters later, but I do not have the Wolfman because I think okay. a movie later on has a much better werewolf, and that's an American Werewolf in London. I think that's still the peak yeah. of werewolf effects. The transformation, which was done by Pneumatics, thanks, horror makeup show that I've seen way too many times at Universal, <laughs> air pressure. Um, I think that's still the best werewolf of all time. Although, honorable mention to the Benicio Del Toro makeup in The Wolfman from 2011. The movie's okay. I defend it as not as bad as people make it out to be. The design on that is really good. But American Werewolf in London... The transformation scene's outstanding, but then when he becomes the werewolf, like the way he moves is just terrifying. I love it. It has one of my favorite shots in any movie, and it's when um, the dude's like stuck at the bottom of the stairs, 
and you get this weird like high angle from the top of the stairs from ground level and you see the werewolf come into frame from the top and it's oh it's so good I think that's one of the best werewolf designs of all time, even more so than the original Wolfman, who, at this point in time, hasn't aged particularly well. I don't think he just kind of looks like a overly hairy man in flannel. So mm-hmm. Al Borland, basically, he's he's not <laughs> overly scary. I like the Wolfman movie quite a bit, but I think the best like werewolf slash lichen design in film to date still is American Werewolf in London and has yet to be topped. I'd agree. I, I'm I'm a little partial to the Lycans in uh, the Underworld series, but those definitely tend to be more heavily CG, and I think if there's something to say, uh, I think there's only been a couple times where they actually transform on screen, and it's still heavily CG'd. It doesn't quite look as good as the American Werewolf in London. So, quick side tangent, Van Helsing is not a good movie at all. No. Um, and the werewolf design is not very good. But I want to give a quick shout-out to something I think they do do right that I haven't seen any <laughs> other um, werewolf movie or transformation do before. And it's when werewolves transform, they literally shed their human skin. I oh, thought that, dude. I was like, that's a good detail. Like, if you're actually paying attention to the transformation scene, he's shedding his skin. And then when he transforms back into a human, it's new skin again. I'm like... That's surprisingly well thought out, and that was actually really, really well done. I'll give you credit for that. The transformation is still too CG heavy, but the concept of that being such a brutally painful transformation, losing your skin, I'll give you that one, Van Helsing. <laughs> That's a, such a smart design choice. What's that doing in Van Helsing? That's so it's weird. like, was somebody else in charge of that? <laughs> they handed it off to the intern who really cared about Van Helsing and, and werewolves. <laughs> that int- was it? Interim um, guy Del Toro. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Let's so I got three that. more. One that I'm pretty sure is on both of our lists. I'll save that one for last. How many more you got? I got two. I got two. I think we're on sure the same page with of one of them. That's always complicated to talk about. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll save that one I, for last. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's your other one? Because my other well, two can be lumped together very easily. So. Let's. I'm gonna set this up, and you're gonna know exactly where I am. I'm coming with it. Um. So let's say you got a mass murderer, right? Kills people. Very efficient at it. Never been caught. Until the beginning of this film, he is caught and put in a cryo freezing tube. Well, then you know what? What, what makes a, a a mass murderer who's very good at his craft even scarier? Hmm, I don't know. Let's uh, fill him with nanobots. Jason X is the coolest guy ever, and you can't <laughs> tell me otherwise. <laughs> like, what's scarier than a killer? A killer that cannot be killed because he's made up of nanobots. Like, oh. So Josh likes the so Terminator. Cool. Like, no, no. Terminator can eat my shorts. Uh, Jason X is where it's at. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> nice to know that that phrase made it out of the 90s. <laughs> I've been saying wow. it a lot lately, and I'm really happy about it. Um, but no, yeah, like, genuinely, like, that is, the, the, the mask is not the best, but the creature design in general, to take Jason and, and who is uh, the masked killer, but, like, then make it be like, all right, cool, so uh, you're going to shoot him, and now definitely nothing's going to happen <laughs> because he's just going to heal himself and keep walking. The, 
of all the issues that I have with Jason X, my most random still to this day is at the very beginning when he's regular Jason, he impales a woman on a spike. Why is there a random spike sticking out of the wall? Like, there's no other spikes around it. It's just a spike. It's like if there would be a sword sticking out of a wall just going, Oh, this is perfect. Why not impale somebody on this sword? Why is that there? Like, it's not even like a coat hanger. uh, Because it's not like later when uh, he's in the drilling like supply room and there's drills being stored in an upward directions, which is a terrible way to store a drill. I don't understand that at all. Uh, but, and throw somebody on top of one. Like that makes sense. It's there already. It makes sense why it's there kind of, but like, yeah, but still I stand by my, my guns stand by my, on my soapbox. You stand by your nanites. Stand by my nanites. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jason X is the best Jason of them all. Mm, either Jason from part four or part six, I think. No, nope, but... Jason X. Sorry. So all... Jason X could kill all of them. Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean he has the best design, though. <laughs> so all the Universal Monsters, I think, have iconic designs. I mm-hmm. love the Invisible Man, but as much as I love him, he's just the mummy with a bathrobe. The yep. mummy... Um, I appreciate and respect the dedication and time that was put into Boris Karloff's makeup. It was like seven hours of makeup or something like that for barely any screen time. Cool design. I've said my piece about Wolfman. It hasn't aged as well. I think the two best aesthetics and most iconic creature designs in all of the Universal Monsters. And I know what I'm saying, Josh. Don't bother correcting me. We're gonna have. We're not gonna go down that road again is Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. For simplicity's sake, we're just going to call him Frankenstein, even though in the movie he's actually titled The Monster, which, he's which never... is what he is! Well, technically he's, his name's Adam in the book, but we're going to call him Frankenstein because it's easier to just do that than a weird mini rant every single time. Frankenstein's monster. He's not even Frankenstein's monster in the original movie. He's just the monster. But uh, the monster and Bride of Frankenstein, I think, are the two most iconic because you just look at the hair of Bride and or even just the pattern of hair and you immediately recognize who that is. Even if you've never seen the movie, you know the famous shot of her turning her head and screaming her lungs out. You know that shot. You know the iconic look of Frankenstein, which kind of a few weeks ago I got this thought in my head and it has not left since. Why do we assume Frankenstein is green? Like, why would Frankenstein be green? He's Humans. Dead. Yeah, but when we die, our skin doesn't turn green. We turn <laughs> pale. Like, we lose the color in our face. We don't gain color in our face. Why is he a mildew man? Like, he's. Why is he green? At least, like, the Cause, bride, cause... We, she's pasty white. That makes sense. Admittedly, the bride is only really iconic from the neck up. Like, she's just kind of wearing a white gown, which is where the bride part of it kind of makes all the sense in the world. Um, but I love the rationale that they put behind Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster, whatever Josh wants to call it. The rationale of why he looks the way he does is they've said, like, the head is stretched out because... They're putting another man's brain into this brain so it doesn't fit. So that's why it's all warped. I'm like, oh, that's really, really well thought out. The bolts on the side, people are like, oh, it's basically there to make sure the head doesn't fall off. 
No, the bolts are there because that's basically the car battery starter. That's what brings mm-hmm. him light. Like, all the design for him is so incredibly well thought out. Boris Karloff was already a tall guy, but the fact that they put him in lifts basically makes it even better. Uh, his weird walk was because the costume really restricted his movement, so he had to walk <laughs> like that. Uh, Frankenstein and the Bride, I think, had the two best looks. I think they're the most iconic looks. They're the ones that get copied the most. Like, I would put Dracula on here had he not been, you know, party city to death over the decades. Like, he just has become kind of generic. Whereas Frankenstein, you can't replace the original bride. You immediately know who that is just based off the hair. She's got that great design. I love Invisible Man, but his is... His is not it, as standout-ish. Yeah, if you're going to talk about Dracula, I think it's it definitely tends, at least in my mind, to go more towards the Nosferatu direction than... That, like, I think Dracula. that's a better direction. I think Nosferatu's yeah. a better look than the actual Count Dracula. Yeah, I would agree. Because the Count Dracula kind of like... It almost takes away from the fact of how strong his, his like mind powers are. Because, like, oh, yeah, like, he's vaguely attractive. Like, okay, like, I can get, I can understand that. Whereas Nosferatu is absolutely terrifying looking no matter what you do. And it's, it almost adds to the fact of, like, oh, wow, like, his brain really is, like, tricking me. I've really got a lot of hallucinations going on and all that stuff. So I, I do think Nosferatu is probably a better, if you're going to talk about a vampire, Nosferatu would probably be, be the i'm trying to think of any other vampires that would be better definitely not edward no Um, i really like the dracula on the netflix version that the bbc did like a few years mm -hmm. ago but i don't think that's a particularly strong like dracula design it's just a good character portrayal doesn't mean the design is anything special but yeah nosferatu is a really good design even if it is just copyright free dracula now, yeah. the last one, I feel pretty confident that it's on both of our Josh and I's list. That's why we saved it for last. Mm-hmm. But also, it's the hardest to talk about because yes. I re- have refused to go back and watch this movie since I've learned about the filmmaker behind it. And also, mm-hmm. it makes me feel kind of guilty that when we were watching the second one, making all kinds of jokes, it was just like, well, this is questionable. Yes. Yes, it the is. second one is very questionable, the stuff in it, because of the... The actions of Victor Salvo, better known as the man behind Jeepers Creepers. But put that aside, if possible. Don't don't forget about the horrible things that he's done. Don't support Jeepers Creepers so long as it belongs to him. Yeah. But, giving where credit is due, the Jeepers Creeper design is fantastic. It is like part Creature from the Black Lagoon, part Dracula, part Undertaker. It's... It's a whole bunch of weird, like, it's an onion. It's got layers. You keep peeling it back, <laughs> and it gets worse and weirder. Like, it's so good. Well, were you with us when we watched it the first time? Yeah, you and I. I don't know who all was with us, but I vividly remember it, you being you and at least you and me, watching it for the first time. And then when you get about halfway through, and it's revealed that he's not, like, a person, because they, they protect it really really well throughout the movie to the point where you don't realize they don't reveal what he actually is until like the back half of the movie um where they hit him with a car and all of a sudden his wings come out and you go oh that makes sense how he's getting on top of cars now oh my goodness that's terrifying and then at the end 
when his face literally opens up. Um, like, there's just... Got a little bit of Predator in there? Yeah, it's such a scary design. Um, and then I think, as much as I don't like the sequels, the third one at least expands upon his uh, intellect in that of, of like his booby track and trapping his own car and like all that stuff. Like he's a, obviously a smart creature and has been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. And again, again, like you said, it's really hard to praise Jeepers Creepers because I I genuinely love the first one. Me too. Um, knowing that the actions of the creator and director are so terrible. So it's just, I, I don't want to give him any more free press than we have to. Um, if you're curious about it, go look him up. Um, I think he's behind bars now. Nope. That's why I don't, that's oh, why I won't watch Super Scoopers okay. is because he was admitted guilty by a court. And I don't think he ever suffered any consequences for it. So I'm just, and he still owns the rights for it. Like I think he made the third one, which I have my own bone to pick with the third one. Of you promised yeah. us one thing, and it wasn't and only for else. it to tease the thing that we wanted at the end, hoping to get us for a fourth one, which I don't think we'll ever get, nor should we get. Um, if we could ever get a reboot of it from a different studio, maybe like. I think that would be great if we can get like a Universal or Warner Brothers to get the rights away from him and do their own spin on it. But keep that whole, it keeps getting weirder and weirder the more we find out about this thing. But also, don't tell us everything about this thing. Um, The design is fantastic, no matter what incarnation he's in, whether he's in like the hunter gear or just the undertaker with the, the jacket and the hat or whether he's more in his creature mode where he's more animalistic and he's got everything exposed. It's all just creepy and I love it. Uh, I just wish I could go back and watch it. But what do you guys think? What are some of your all time favorite creature designs? They can be from horror movies, but they don't necessarily have to be. If there's any designs that you like in particular let us know we always like hearing from you guys and as always if you like what you hear and you want to hear more subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on whether it's itunes spotify google podcast or youtube and if you haven't already subscribe to us on youtube we're going to start the slow march to a thousand subscribers so if you want to help us out that way you can and once again mm-hmm. check out tinfoil hat shirts on t public or check out the other merch and as always stay sharp movie guys and gals